Bloopity 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 bloop. Next question. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to Too Many Tangents, the House of Sand podcast. I'm Eliza, and this is Charlie. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Um, good, thank you. Says <laughs> the world. Or bad, thank you. Um, oh, I hope you're not having a bad day. If you're having a bad day, call Lifeline. It's a great service. So Charlie did a workshop with Force Majeure called Insight, which was run by Danielle Michich. 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 And uh, Kate Champion, who I know discreetly in my mind is a different person to Jane Campion, but I just always get them a little <laughs> bit confused. Um, and I actually once went to a talk in New Zealand with Jane Campion, expecting it to be Kate Champion. And I mean, I wasn't disappointed by the talk, but it did take me a little while to understand why she was talking so much about film. Anyway. Um, she gets that all the time. In other news, we should, uh, you should watch Top of the Lake Series 1, and then we should watch Series 2 together, because I haven't seen Series 2 yet, and Series 1 is really good. Okay, great. Do, um, do you think the whole world needs to know that, or could we have talked about that, like, off air? Well, rest of the world, highly recommend Top of the Lake, very good series. So, Charlie, uh, most of this podcast will consist of you doing an interview with Danielle, um, but, and I just had to listen to it, and I have, mostly I just kind of want to know what the day-to-day -day of Insight consisted of. Yeah, it was a really great couple of weeks, a really, a really nice privilege to have two weeks to not be working on a project, doing training and doing exploration and, and projects and, you know, little mini projects and stuff. So each morning we would have like a check-in and stuff and then do a physical training, which it's a training that Danielle has created that's got elements of Pilates, elements of yoga, elements of various contemporary dance techniques, elements of the Suzuki actor training method. So in form, it looks a little bit like, those who are familiar with Suzuki, that's probably the thing it most physically resembles, or like a martial arts class. It's a series of kind of counted exercises or timed exercises that are about getting your body and your voice active and awake and in sync and ready to kind of be really, really responsive. The thing that I think is really great about Danielle's emerging training, which I don't think has a name yet, the Mitchich method, I've just named it, Danielle, you're welcome, <laughs> the Mitchich method. What I think is really great about it is that it's very, very safe for the body. You know, the Suzuki method is so great for making actors, uh, bringing actors into a really active place, but it's the... It's also great for developing injuries. Yeah, yeah. You've got to, you know... There are so many ways that it can fuck up your body and can, can be really harmful. So there's none of those incredibly swift you know, movements where you try and be there before you've left. It's all done over the course of our breath and, the, and it's the extension or contraction of the breath that changes the tempo of the movement. But it has that really great grounding, strengthening quality of Suzuki. So that's the morning session. Um, for the two weeks at Insight and then... And the people that were there was mostly performers or...? Yeah, there was 18 attendees, all kind of mid-career artists of various kinds. And of those, I reckon about... It was about half and half principally dance practitioners and principally theatre practitioners. And of those, there was kind of... I was probably the only pure director and there were two or three other actors slash directors. Um, slashes. Slashes. Uh, so it's good to be a, be a slasher. Oh. Very useful in this climate. Uh, and then in the dance 
among the dancers and dance people, there was probably about the same. So there was like three or four choreographers and, and dancers as well. And also there was one opera singer and people who have, you know, really various practices that cross over. Everyone was pretty much a slasher of, of some sort. Well, and the arts people tend to be You have to be, yeah. So, you know, and that training is really great for, for all of the people to get into their body and, and just to learn. And then variously in the kind of middle of the day, we would do improvisational exercises, whether, whether they be content creation improvisations or like viewpointsy stuff. And then in the afternoon, we, in the first week, we learned a bunch of techniques, improvisational content creation techniques. And then in the second week, we used those to make little pieces and they all built upon each other. So each day we would make a new little piece that built upon the piece of the previous day. Yeah. Um, Maybe for our listeners, you could talk a little bit about what Viewpoints is and the city company, because you mentioned it a little bit in your convo with Dank, so. Yes, so, for the uninitiated, uh, Viewpoints is a methodology created by, well, in its current form that most people know it, it was created by uh, Anne Bogart and Tina Landau. Anne Bogart is the artistic director of the, of the city company in New York. S-I-T-I. Yes, correct. Which is the Saratoga International Theatre Institute, but they don't really use the rest of the, the full name ever, really. And so she, Anne developed viewpoints in like the 70s and 80s, I want to say, 80s maybe. And it's a physical actor training methodology that's about uh, attuning your mind to various kind of readable points of view or symbols in pursuit of making you a more active collaborator and a more kind of a curatorial voice on the stage uh, in the creation of a work. So the viewpoints are really simple things like architecture and topography and tempo. And by kind of t- doing this training, you tune up your, your body to be instinctively aware of those things. There's nine viewpoints. It was originally based on a thing by a choreographer called Mary Overly that was developed for dancers in which there were six viewpoints and has been developed and changed. Blah, blah, blah. So both Danielle and I and Eliza um, and lots and lots of artists uh, have done a pilgrimage to the city company's Saratoga summer home. They're in New York 11 months of the year in Saratoga in June of every year and they run a month-long intensive at Skidmore College. Which is so beautiful. There's little squirrels everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty great. And you get put up and fed and you get to meet lots of nice people. It's yeah, great. it's a really great... Uh, Great course, highly recommended. And they that they work with the viewpoints methodology and also with Suzuki, which you know we were just talking about a bit. So that's kind of the grounding of, of where a lot of this work kind of you know is, is influenced by and stems from. And Kate Champion's work is influenced by viewpoints as well, so from you know, from other sources of direction. Cool. Well, let's have a listen to what you spoke to Danielle about then. Over to you, Charlie. In a different time. It isn't now. Oh, I'm speaking to the past. I'm here with Danielle Michich. Is, is that right? That's Michich. correct. Yeah, yeah, that's I it. thought it was McKeech for ages. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I suppose if you know the origin, because um, it's Croatian, it's, you know, uh, and actually, you know, it's the no H in the middle doesn't help. Mm, yeah. Danielle Michich, who's the artistic director of Force Majeure. And we have been, I've been working in a really exciting workshop for the last couple of weeks, Force Majeure's Insight Workshop, uh, which Danielle leads with former artistic director of Force Majeure, Kate Champion. And we are just having a chat about that and Danielle practice and all sorts of things. So, but the first thing I just wanted to ask you about is not so much about insight, but 
just what's inspiring you in your practice and what are you exploring and what's turning you on right now? It's, it's difficult because you're asking me about my practice uh, and currently I don't have one because as an artistic director you spend a lot of time um, with the company and trying to move the company forward which means there is no time for putting a practice in place but I have an existing something that I've been developing which is why insight happens so I struggle with trying to find time for practice because mm. of just the way that the structure is yeah. I think and it all comes and stems from being an independent artist uh, a couple of years ago when uh, I was in search for something else other than my own uh, makings like I want to know what other people were doing and how the voice and the body kind of had a uh, relationship and I was just doing my own thing and that's where when you're making works you're kind of going there is it's really difficult to find a practice and I think it's a collection of things I'm sorry I'm going around because the question doesn't really sit on me, actually. Yeah. Because I'm going, yeah. actually, that doesn't, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't work. Because I go, no, I don't have a practice, but I do have a practice, but it comes from something, and then there is insight. So it's a big, holistic thing. So I think you actually have alluded to something that is kind of interesting in regard to insight and practice in, in general, is the relationship between training and creation, training and artistic output. Yeah. I know you and I have in common that we've done the, the month of city, that pilgrimage that so many people do. Yeah. Um, and I've observed that there's lots of kind of residual stuff from that in the way that we train in Insight. So what is the, what, what are you unpicking with Insight and in your work about the relationship between training and practice? Because I suppose yeah. as a kind of extrapolation of that, it's so, you know, dancers always have a practice, a, a daily training practice, or at least kind of every other day, where it's really rare for actor practitioners or theatre practitioners in the same formalised way. That seems to feel like something that's kind of perhaps pulled from the dance world or from the kind of city company viewpointy world. What's that relationship to you and what is, how does insight play into that? Yeah, it's purely because... I work with a realm of artists and they all have different physical abilities and different artistic interests and to bring a group of artists into a room or to collaborate with a group of artists means generally most projects I'm working with new people so it's not always something where you're going oh we've got the same company the same group of people there's a rapport that's what I found going every time I bring a group of people into the same room together we have to start again and that's the luxury of having a like a full-time company with artists that you do but I'm always looking for a way to bridge the performer into performance and generally when someone comes and works with me what happens is they have a practice but then uh, like you know like the dance training where they just they do their warm-ups but actually they're not prepared and ready for the things that I'm about to ask them to do so what insight does and what the training is is about introducing the, the duality of what I'm asking them to do is you know embodying the text and having a, a really strong voice and also having a, very, a body that is prepared and ready and active as opposed to learning that specifically for a, a role or, or for a production which is generally what happens is you get there you're in rehearsals for four or five weeks and then by the end of the season you're ready to go because you're now in practice you've done the you've, you've done yeah. a practice whereas I'm trying to put in place something for artists to practice outside of of their own um, projects where they can start thinking about how they're preparing their body for a project 
which means there's something new that I have to sort out. And because there is there is the physical body and then the speaking voice, I'm trying to find that really happy balance of making sure that everybody feels included in the warm-up uh, or in, in, in the training, which means sometimes dancers have to get in a bit early and, and do the things that they need to do in order to get that bit ready. And sometimes the actors have to you know, spend a little bit longer at the end doing whatever they need to do. But in the middle, the middle bit's the bit where we all come together and, and, and hold and find a way of becoming company and becoming one voice and becoming stronger as a unit. And that's just been uh, like a growing exercise for me because it's, it hasn't existed and that's what I've been looking for. The training methodology is it's such a fascinating thing because it's, it's got elements of what you might think of looking like a dance class or, or like a dance repertoire and elements of what you might think of as a traditional like actor's vocal warm-up but it's kind of kind of neither what are you looking for in an artist as far as you know someone you choose to work with or someone you are watching their development either in something like inside or or in the world generally that kind of gets you fascinated by them and their, their body and their voice yeah it's the way someone processes information so when I see when I see someone working on one thing, it's this thing I always talk about the idea of what are you investigating, what's going on in your head, like that conversation. Mm. And when I can see that someone is truly investigating something, like you can make the most simplest exercise, you can work yourself to the bone on doing a spinal roll or or even just, you know, turning to the left or doing a squat. Like there's simple exercises that you can do and you can work yourself to the nth degree and that's just due to the amount of intention or attention that you give to one specific moment. And I suppose artists that I can see either potential or interest for me or spark an interest are the ones that I can see they're going to the pointy edges where you're going, oh, they're really, they're as far as they can in their body and they're really pushing their voice and something interesting comes out. And it's not like there's a set anything, like it's basically, a bizarre combination that I, I like that I like yeah. and it's just basically who is that individual and how do they sound in that moment so there is not any one person who I would even expect could be that combination but it's just I think when they find that for themselves and they feel a a confidence in themselves like I kind of get wow look at them coming into them into their own like just when a person really starts finding out their edges of themselves that's when I kind of go, okay, that, there's someone I can work with because they know, they, they're getting to know who they are and therefore there's a great playing area because when people are restricted in their body and in their thinking and in, in, the, in their speaking, then you can't go very far with them. But if they're prepared to go there and even in the training, they, fail, you know, they, they kind of fumble and fail over words and things and I go, that's totally fine to me, but then one day that thing happens and shifts. Like, the other day someone was talking about, you know, we're talking about bringing the breath back down to the centre and there was a blockage there and I'm kind of going, oh, and they explained to me what was going on. I said, you know, would that be the problem? I went, well, yes, of course that's the problem. <laughs> and I go, look, well, let's think about it as something else. Like, can we shift that thinking somewhere else? And that's straight away that artist just shifted their thinking and then all of a sudden new things started happening to their body and that's when I go, oh, that's an interesting artist, they can move things, they can make things happen, keep things rolling, mm. that's an interesting artist, because you don't, the potential is huge when you let them find and discover things and then they feel free to kind of go, what else? Like, what else is possible? Yeah. And I, that's what I kind of go, I don't, it doesn't matter that they're not hugely physical, but it's 
for me, it could be just like their limited physical capacity, but what they do with that, the, the detail with that is, is what is interesting to yeah. me. I'm really fascinated too, we've been, to, uh, we've been talking a little bit and, and I think I've been thinking a lot about the interaction between success and failure in a task, but also just like balance and imbalance. You talk a lot about the ready body and being in this ready body that's secure and grounded, but also embracing the moments where you're off balance or off kilter, either, I mean, physically, but I'm extrapolating that. I, I, and I think that the intention is vocally and, and intentionally and psychologically as well. What is it that's kind of at the core of that thing of, of balance and imbalance for you? It's that it's all about laziness. <laughs> and I'm serious, like, yeah. you know, it's so easy to watch an actor or a performer switch off somehow just for a split second that they're not speaking or they're not moving. And a physical reminder, like, it's interesting, like, I can tell you to, to do something and be active and then you'll think it for five seconds and then you can drop out, you know, drop out of it. But the training is about giving you a physical reminder. Like, it's one of those moments where you go, oh, that's what that is. And, and then when I then give you a verbal reminder later on down the track, you'll be reminded of that physical reminder. So it's a combination of stimuli. Like, we also spend a lot of time with our eyes closed in certain exercises, mm. you might see. And again, I'm trying to make you aware of everything else around you. I also talk about the three-dimensional performer, which is really important because we're consistently performing to the front and to the you know for the front and at yeah. the front and all events to the front and then all of a sudden you turn around there's nothing going on in the back and yeah. so this three-dimensional performer means you, you know stop thinking in one way you think in all ways so if you're not facing the front and you're in the back you know standing up the back what does that mean like what does that mean and that active body means maybe you're just standing there observing but how does the observing body stay active as opposed to just kind of literally dumped down because you're not the focus of the scene. Mm. And I'm interested in activating every single moment in there. And that's not saying they have to bring any focus to it, but you, I can tell straight away when a body is is just kind of slumped back into their bones, into their brain, uh, or if someone's kind of sitting forward and, and adding just their attention span or their energy towards to the focus of, of the work. And so the training is about kind of activating all that again and, and shaking that up and going don't be lazy on stage don't ever be lazy because the body wants to be, wants to find rest whenever it can yeah yeah and again you know there's moments where i go i want you to muscle this exercise you need to find the muscles in this like even the words sometimes we kind of go like you know get a bit lazy and talking like this and you know just you know let the words run out but then there's also the muscling of, mm. of the speaking and the muscling of the body and the combination of the two because performance there is effort involved so I'm trying to teach how much effort you can use and what is that range of effort and that ready body is a really hard concept for a lot of people to get because they think that just by tensing their body that means they're ready but yeah. actually it could be looking completely relaxed but the ready body can also be this thing where you're looking forward but that's the why we do a lot of partner work as well as mm. by pushing each other and um, you're going to go oh right yeah I'm, I'm absolutely just kind of sucked back but you can still look relaxed but be engaged but also there's a combination of things that I think that happen all in the one moment so it's a complex thing and it's nice to unpick that over a period of time with artists because as you see it's quite hands-on it's a lot of 
a lot of speaking but a lot of uh, listening as well and a lot of touching and a lot of moving and a lot of exchanges so it's not just an academic exercise it's also a physical exercise and between the two of them I'm trying to work out a way of teaching you how to to understand your own body basically yeah yeah it's such it's such a fascinating combination of synthesis of, yes yeah, synth- it's synthetic the same thing as synthesis I was anyway it's the synthesis between yeah. the mind-body connection and, and the constant reiterative process yeah. through mind-body and, and, and voice, which I always think my perspective is the voice is part of the body and yeah. creating a binary between those two things is problematic, but it's useful at times mm-hmm. as well, of course. I want to pick up on that thing, on something you said about, about effort and readiness, the body wanting to rest, because I think it speaks to another question that I have about a safe practice, safe practice for bodies and for people's psychology as well but I mm, how do I phrase this without offending someone there are lots of practices out in the world that that are really good at making bodies really ready in that moment and really activated and and in the effortful mode of performance but that over time can be pretty wearing on the body and you know the things things that I was sort of super into five or ten years ago and then started working with a lot of dancers and dancers going, oh, that's actually really bad for mm. your body. Especially contemporary dancers, not because they're attuned to body safety in a way that, say, classical dancers aren't. But it seems to me like you've struck a really great midpoint between a kind of active, effortful way of training and working and creating a safe physical practice for performers and I wonder I suppose how much that's played into how you've developed it and what if any the compromises and the challenges of trying to meet those demands are. It definitely comes from having a dance background and it also comes from uh, working with a range of different artists so when I have to go into a room and I go okay this person doesn't have a, a dance practice at all what can I give them that's going to enable them to access their character. You know, it's actually been a, an accumulation of a many years of kind of working out what is needed, what is not needed, what is effortful. Because when you do go off and do other people's uh, methodologies and trainings, I kind of I will reflect and come back and going, okay, what have I what have I learnt from that, and what can I take from that, and what would I what do I need now? And there has always been for me a, a greater sense of need to work with contact because in the theatre world, uh, in the dance world it's very acceptable, Mm. but then the second that you start moving into the realm of working with actor dancers, that, you know, actors have had possibly some training or some experience but not to the level of working with dancers. I have found that I'm trying to find ways of connecting two bodies together in a very safe, a very uh, harmonious way where you learn to look after your own body and somebody else's body simultaneously uh, through a series of like long exercises and also um, discussions. And also because we've done these observations, you watch somebody else's body and somebody watches your body and then there are these comments and then you learn people's behaviours and from learning those behaviours then you can then know how to then respond. So when we go back into a uh, an exercise and you are in contact with someone like you've got the responsibility of stopping someone who's walking backwards my comment was always saying if you don't feel like if you feel something different change or talk or do that like don't just expect that it's going to 
fix itself mm. you have to like learn from what you've just received and try to you know adapt and change so I think the way that I've probably done it is given people the permission to ask more questions or talk more to the persons that they're working with because when when you're making a, making a, a production you slam together with new people you do things you kind of work it out then later on the production gets a little bit kind of funny because we haven't sorted out how to talk to each other how to work with each other and all that sort of stuff so it becomes problematic in where to um, help shift the balance when things go wrong mm. and so I'm trying to eliminate that straight away so when someone walks into the room uh, and they're working with a company they already know how to speak to the other person who they don't know they already know how to work with them like it just starts breaking down barriers straight away so it is about open communication it's kind of the main point about everything is about communication yeah I also claim not to know everything at all like I work off instinct I have accumulated many things some things really work for me that won't might not work for others and mm. I absolutely get that so when that happens I get fascinated I go oh that's not working for you <gasps> like what, what? and that's when a conversation is like yeah, tell yeah. me like what's going on they go oh um and then something will happen it might be a memory it might be something else or something's happened to them in the past where there's a situation and I go oh maybe I could try this now like that's what I love about my work is I keep on getting new information from people who have got a completely different history to me mm -hmm. and that informs me about my practice about the moving body going wow how can I work with that is it possible and how can we move forward and how can I give you the tools to start moving forward with something so it's always a fascination like I'm always fascinated with people's bodies so generally if there's a problem or or a new situation at hand I'm already wanting to solve it just going oh let's dissect what this is and maybe there is no answer but I'm definitely interested in um, finding ways to resolve things in the body from the body and it's generally through discussion that's yeah. what happens it was a real privilege yesterday to watch you've been putting a practice on, on us and, and a training on us and yesterday in, in the training something happened with, with Claire or with one of the artists that we were working with and you kind of on the spot devised a new exercise yeah. and it was a real privilege to watch that process that you've just described of going something's not totally working for this person or, or it can work more and how do I how do you facilitate yeah. a further investigation further opening up or that's um, right. yeah. because the, yeah. the there's steps like I have over the time tried to refine things and then I went oh there's there, there's a missing step here for Claire like mm. I need to give her another step okay everyone <laughs> alright this is what we're doing and I do that all the time sometimes I just look at a room and I go no we're not doing that we're going to do this um, and like the other I think the other day I went right I'm just going to uh, make up a new exercise <laughs> this is what it is and it became something really beautiful like I like to kind of respond in a room and I think I said this before too whereas sometimes when I don't know where I am in a, in a space I feel excited because I go oh I don't know where I am I don't I can't feel the ground what is that what what am I reading from this room oh okay I need I don't know intuitively I know that I have to get something from that room or give something so it's that just that, that exchange where I go Oh, I need everyone to be together because I think the other day something had happened and I was like okay I need I need a way to bring them all together 
So I'm going to drop all that formal stuff that we've been doing and to go in a completely different thing. So again, I don't, I like routine and um, ways of progressing going forward, but I'm also very good at abandoning things and mm. going, let's do something else. That is not good today. Um, we all need to reset and start again and then therefore you're caring for people and then shifting things because every day is a different day and some days we're all together and other days we're not and sometimes we can, I can accommodate for that and some days I can't but lucky for us you know there is no outcome like we're not trying to produce a work and I was thinking overnight going I was actually choreographing in my head last night going oh god I'm already making a work on this company of people thinking oh that's weird <laughs> going I'm, I'm committing committing to the people in the room right now and 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 how um exciting but exhausting that was thinking oh wow i'm really getting attached now to mm. what is artists really giving over to me and i was like that doesn't happen very often that you can get into a room and have that amount of time with people who have such a varied backgrounds mm. like we you know we We've just got such a, an array of beautiful people in the room and I think that's also a part of insight that I love is you don't know how you can hold the whole group together but I hope that there is something because everyone's decided to come for some reason and so therefore that's enough reason for me to have people in the room but then it's my response I feel it's my responsibility to find something to keep us interested all the time and luckily enough you keep each other interested you know like because I don't yeah. have I don't have a project where I'm saying I'm going to keep you interested in this project mm. it's not a project so I have to find a way of keeping you interested in what I'm doing so when you go away you stay interested in your own work like it's that's all I'm doing saying stay interested yeah, yeah. stay interested and I think it's you're so right it's, it's such a privilege to have this much time with this many people who are really committed to just exploring a practice even though we come from such kind of broad ranging backgrounds, we've got singers and actors and dancers and choreographers and directors and all sorts of different people, but everyone is, and you and Kate, I think have facilitated beautifully this sense that it is just about keeping curious and keeping interested. And, and that has become kind of the thematic thread of, mm. of the thing, which we were talking yesterday after the session about how in the task work in the afternoon, the kind of devising exercises, there's that fascinating thing of when you're working on a project, so much of the theme or idea or there's some kind of seed or grounding that is already in the room and the challenge of having to start from that point as a collective and go, we've got these little bits of source material but we've got no key kind of core interests that we're exploring except for practice and so in a sense it's it's this great kind of trade-off you you haven't got this thing but you don't have the pressure of that thing and you can just invest in practice yeah so given that how does the training and the improvisational techniques and the content creation tasks and techniques how does that shift when you are in development for a piece mode compared to something like insight it's just far more intense <laughs> because we're not committed like the thing is when you're in a work, you're very committed, mm. and and what we're saying to you, inside inside, is be committed. But this is not any test or anything; it's just an exercise. So, is it the difference between an exercise and actually being committed to creating something? The outcome, yeah. The outcome. It's just it. It is completely different. Mm. Like it is absolutely completely different. But it's a bit akin to that thing that I remember, and you probably do as well. Anne Bogart and Ellen Lauren saying, 
over and over again of going through the problem rather than trying to get to the end of the problem. Oh, yeah, that's a great, great, great way of putting it. Yeah, that's what you're doing when you're doing the exercise. You're trying to kind of see or somehow solve, you know, find a finite thing. Um, whereas when you're actually making a project, you actually have to define what that is, mm. which means there is a lot more editing going on inside that process yeah. as opposed to you're kind of having a play and trying a few things. Of course, on the end of day one, we commit to that, that's what we share, then we, we talk about it, and then we move on and we develop it or extend it a little bit more. Whereas, you know, making the work is you, you start that little seed and then you're trying as much as you can to expand that or contract that especially when you've got like overarching narratives and other characters and all the other content inside the work it's far more fuller yeah <laughs> and that again because of the varied practice it's very difficult to kind of give inside i think something like insight but i'm hoping that there are triggers inside watching each other's process means that you might go away and go oh what is it to to try something like that no, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I think there's a really good example from yesterday's um, task where uh, another participant was, was leading me in a task and it was a kind of... His, his choices were kind of arbitrary aesthetic in a very dancerly way and it made this kind of fantastically funny and absurd piece. And I was like, I would never, ever work in a way where every choice wasn't justified by some piece of dramaturgy. But it worked. Like, it, it wasn't a... And it was such an eye-opening experience to go to see that way of working and go, oh, that, that's a way of working as well. Yeah. yeah. I will say that um, the best thing that I had done leading into this is having a mentor and going in and watching people's process. Like, that has been, as much as having a practice and an interest, uh, watching people's process and how they work with artists and uh, how you deal with decisions and choices under pressure is a really great thing. Thing to do and I think not that this is exactly it but when you see something you're going to go how on earth did you know like did you make those decisions and all mm. of a sudden you kind of go oh that's possible just from those choices I think that's probably one really great thing that comes out of insight through that diverse yeah. backgrounds absolutely and just really quickly because I know we have to go to training yep. um, tell me a little bit about what Force is doing project wise in the next little while um, we're currently about to start a new uh, seed a new project which is kind of looking to work with some very senior and extraordinary performers throughout Australia and yeah and, and international artists as well can't speak too much about it because it's all the seed stuff but we're about to seed a new idea with that uh, over the next two weeks um, we're also looking to work with our company artist Genoa Giller on a new work. She just recently received a, a fellowship from Create New South Wales. Great. And so she's, we're giving her her voice to her stories, which is really lovely to kind of support since she's had uh, a bit of time with the company. And uh, also we're working at, uh, with uh, and alongside the Art Gallery of New South Wales for the this Sydney Festival. Um, we're working on the Masters of Modern Sound, which is a, a really beautiful installation with the Masters of Modern Art. And that's coming up in January in 2019. So like already that's happening. And then in, by March, we're at Dance Massive with You Animal You in Melbourne. Amazing. Oh my God, so busy. Very, yeah, it's good. 
Yeah, it is. Better to be busy than bored. Yeah, <laughs> never <Awesome>. bored. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Go do some training. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Great. So we did that. We had a listen. We, we all enjoyed. That. It was good. Um, we didn't actually have a listen. We just kept recording. I had a listen. Oh, you put like a while ago. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, super interesting to hear some of those things. It's made me reflect a little bit about actually, I've done so many workshops now and so frequently I'm in these workshops and I was like oh you know it's so rare that we get a chance to just focus on practice and not be creating something and I just am super privileged and have somehow wrangled money well I, I guess all the money I make I just then spend flying to somewhere else and doing a workshop spending it straight away learning more things um, but in that in that space of exploring and looking into process and these kinds of things and there's so, uh, it's just really great to hear about the richness of the different practices and really appreciating as well the respect for the lineage of the different practices that come into and form what mm. Danielle is doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the really nice things about the way Danielle works is that she is, she's constantly experimenting and, you know, finding new avenues to activate the body and the voice and to create work but she's also attuned to and and keeps investigating what others are doing and she's learning from the participants and she's learning from you know reading and going to workshops herself and all that kind of stuff and it feels like a really healthy communication mm. kind of long form practice-based communication the coming together of the information that she has accumulated yeah. It's well articulated. It makes me think as well about the difference between practices that have like uh, horizontal and vertical practices, which I've been rethinking about, having not for a while, being the kind of person who's interested in lots of different things and feeling like I pick little bits and pieces and bring them all together, and that that is often not regarded as as good a way to work as to go deeply into one thing, but that a different kind of richness comes from it or something? It perhaps sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but I think that you can go deeply into being a generalist. Being horizontal. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I go deeply into being horizontal all the time. <laughs> so. Or should I say, people go deeply into... You get the idea. Um, um, yeah, and I think that that is something that particularly now because there's so many you know there's so much history and things to draw to draw from um in the history of practice and to be influenced by and to steal from other people and then you know in the good way of stealing that that feels really exciting to me to be horizontal <laughs> i thought that was going to be more profound than it was well, um, but I think the stealing thing is really interesting, actually, because that's one of the things we talked about in Insight quite a lot, and Kate in particular is talking about, she's a big fan of stealing. Oh, great, because there's lots of things I want to steal from her. So. <laughs> yeah, she'd be totally fine with that. Great. Um, yeah, stealing from people in, in that kind of positive, tribute-based, mm -hmm. take it if it's relevant, make it your own, and, you know, not just kind of pilfer yeah. for the sake of pilfering. But well, that it contributes to the... The continuous conversation over time. Yeah, and the, the development of a kind of yeah. collective. Oh, I hate to sound a bit hippy dippy, but like a collective consciousness. 
continence-ness. A, a collective continence. Um, a collective incontinence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had something smart to say, and then I got distracted because you said incontinence. Poop. Too many tangents. We haven't got on any tangents. We've got on any tangents. No my tangents. Brain's a bit, my brain's a bit foggy. I'm performing at the moment, so give me sympathy because I am drained from being in front of people. It is a surprisingly draining thing to do every time. It gets me. I feel, I feel, um, <laughs> Enya, I'm staying with Enya who is also performing in this show and um, we're sharing a room and we, we got home from brunch today and we're sitting there and I was like, it just looked at my book and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can read that because it might make me anxious. And you have to think about those kinds of things when you're performing. If you read the wrong type of book before you go on stage, it could just really be problematic. That's enough of that. Okay, bye, internet. Lovely to see you again. Um, thanks, thanks for listening. Coming. And um, we will be back with more episodes soon. We need to do our Me Too episode. Um, we won't do that on Christmas else. Day. No. Just for fun. Please remember to like and subscribe. Oh, and we have to do a pitch. This is important. As we head into the new year, which is only like just over a month away, we have a new funding strategy. And we are now registered on Patreon because we have digital content coming out on a semi-regular basis. We are now in a position to use that platform. So please head over to patreon.com slash houseofsand and uh, you can support us from as little as $1 a month. Think about that. That's like one whole dollar and only one dollar. That's like less than a third of a coffee a month. Why does everyone talk about coffee? Like, I don't know, I don't even drink coffee. coffee. I know, it's such a thing. But It's like, it's one one dollar lolly. It's one it's little one dollar bag of lollies from the... Um, the dairy. The dairy, yeah, from the corner store. It's two 50 cent cones from McDonald's. Yeah, which you don't need anyway. Yeah, cause that because that shit fat. is disgusting. Sorry, um, you're not fat. So yeah, you might on. be, I don't know who you are. Head on over to patreon.com uh, slash house of sand and please support us where you can and you get cool bonus things like cut tangenty bits of the podcast and backstage chats and video content and invitations to special events when we are in your town which if you're in Adelaide, Sydney, Wellington, Canberra or Perth is pretty regularly. You can also support us for more than a dollar of course. Maybe you could do a cup of coffee a month. Free would be really nice. That would be good. So do that and um, we'll talk to you soon. Love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Too many tangents. That's our theme song now.